Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Fiction, science fiction, horror, fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino. John Copenhaver and Al Warren. Heard on KCB 106.5 FM Los Angeles. 102.3 FM Riverside. And 105 AM Palm Springs. Uh, joining us Olivier Bosman, thank you for being on the phone. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very pleased to be here. So, uh, this this uh, is the first time you've been on the show. So, uh, give a little bit of your history. Um, how did you get into writing books? Well, um, initially, I um, wanted to write uh, plays and screenplays. So that's um, that's the thing that attracted me the most um, because I particularly love writing dialogue. Um, and I did a degree, um, a master's degree in creative writing for film and television, and I pursued that as a career. I had an agent, and things went well for a while, but eventually nothing came of it. And, um, well, that's when I decided to change tractor. You know, there's, there was no, no, um, no point keeping on at it, at it if there was no result. So I thought um, I discovered self-publishing, and I thought, well, that would be a great way to at least get my my stories out um, to the general public. So, um, I, yeah, I, uh, I decided to, um, you know, what I really wanted to do was to tell stories and whether they are in the form of a play or a screenplay, it didn't matter to me that much. Um, so there seemed to be an avenue that, that might work. And so that's why I changed track and and started writing the Hmm. Now, you, you uh, tend to write uh, mystery and, and mystery fiction, I guess it would be. Um, what drew you to doing that kind of writing? Well, um, yes, um, I, I do mostly write mystery. It wasn't. It's something that kind of um, 
came about accidentally. Um, the very first mystery that I wrote was a play. Um, I decided to, to produce a play myself, to have a play on. on a, um, uh, so I wrote Death Takes a Lover as a play. Um, I, I, the, the thing that worked for me previously when I wrote screenplays was to take an, an established genre and give it my own twist. So when I decided to write a play, uh, which I would stage myself, um, I thought about a genre that appealed to me, and I'd, um, I'd recently been reading um, The Woman in White and the Moonstone, um, two novels by Wilkie Collins, um, famous Victorian uh, mystery writer. And I just thought a Victorian mystery, a moody, gothic Victorian mystery would just be perfect. So I wrote this play. In the play, there was a detective who um, uh, tried to solve the mystery. And, um, well, the detective was just such a compelling character. I just thought, you know, this should, this should be a series, a series of mystery novels with this, um, with this uh, detective. And, and that's how it all started. And well, I've now written five five books. Um, I'm, I've recently finished the sixth book in um, in the series, and uh, well, I've taken to it. I, I enjoy writing, and yes, but it was yeah, it was by accident. It wasn't a deliberate thing. Yeah, do you know when when you're writing? So this is Victorian uh, mystery. Um, do you have to? You must have to do a lot of research to uh, really make sure the specifics are right and the time era and all the details. Um, how long does that take you to do? Yeah, there is a lot of, there is a lot of um, research that I did. I did a lot of research when I did um, my first book, um, The Ornamental Hermit. Um, I did a lot of background research on how police procedures worked, um, the history of um, the detectives, uh, the history of Scotland Yard. I did a lot of research there, um, uh, which, which helped me with all the other books. So. Um, I do less and less research as, or at least less specific research um, as the series progresses. Um, but yeah, mostly, you know, um, the good thing about writing on the, on the computer is that you've got internet access, so whenever, uh, you know, you need to look something up, um, you can just Google things. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of constant research. I mean, usually I read one or two or three um, books before I even start writing the particular story that I want to write, um, just to get some ideas. And then once I'm writing, I'm constantly researching stuff, yes. Mm. Now, on this series that you're doing, uh, that starts with The Ornamental Hermit, um, now, this is about uh, Detective Sergeant John. Now, um, and it's 1890, and uh, it, looks like, it looks like he's... Um, got struggles in his own life, you know, and morphine addiction. That's right. So how did you f create that character? Like, what do you draw from in order to create a person that's like this detective and he's morphine and all that? How do you get all the components and where do you draw it from? Right, so it, it all started with the, with, the, with the play that I mentioned, Death Takes a Lover. The, the play is about um, um, an event that happened in an isolated house in the Yorkshire Moors, and the detective is sent there to find out exactly what happened. And so the play revolves around the detective interviewing the uh, members of the household, you know, the servants and the family of the household, and try to get to the bottom of what happened. But um, the detective had to have something going on himself. Um, otherwise, it would have been too boring. Um, so I tried to think of some kind of struggle, some kind of internal struggle that he dealt with. And as the, um, 
as the, the main theme of that play was sexual repression, I felt you know, this had to be a, a detective who was himself sexually repressed. So I, I came up with the idea of making him um, a homosexual detective, but uh, who was not comfortable with his sexuality and who tried to suppress his sexuality and then used morphine to suppress his sexuality. And that's where all these demons of this detective um, evolved. And that's what makes the detective so interesting and uh, compelling to read about. And, um, yeah, so uh, as the series progresses, he slowly starts getting more comfortable with his own sexuality and, you know, with his struggles with uh, morphine addiction. And um, I, I guess what, what, what readers enjoy about this series is to find out how this particular detective evolves gradually as, uh, as the books progress. Do you, do, you, do you know people that um, personally that have um, some of these uh, issues like with the morphine or they're hiding their sexuality and do you, do you draw from them or is this just all you, it happens in your mind, imagination? Well, no, I mean, inevitably when you're writing a character like that, a lot of my own personality does go into the character. I mean, he's a very complex, um, he's a very complex character. Um, I, I, I am not a morphine addict. I've never, I don't know anything really about morphine addiction. <laughs> I've had, you know, I've had to research that. But, you know, I, I am gay and I have also had, um, struggles. Well, n- not exactly struggles, but, you know, there's been, I guess most, most gay, gay people would say that there have been periods where they were uncomfortable with their sexuality. So I've got that to draw on. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not just those those issues that make um, that make this character complex. He's also very stubborn. He's also a bit um, introverted. Um, he feels alienated because he, uh, he he feels like he doesn't really belong um, in the country that he lives because he grew up in a different country and he doesn't know where to fit in. And all, these are all just issues that I have that I I I, I give to this uh, character. Right. So, well, um, you, you, yeah, you've I traveled around. Students. Well, you've traveled around That's a right. lot. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes what What makes you um, bounce around so much, just out of curiosity? Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's some kind of restlessness. It's uh, just a desire to start all over again. You know, move to a different country, have a different set uh, circle of friends, a different job, a different environment. Uh, yeah. But I, I, I think it's probably my genes because um, I've inherited this from my my mother and my grandmother, who who both liked to move houses or at least you know rearrange the furniture in their own house to make it you know to give their their life a a, a new kickstart. It's it's just some kind of innate restlessness that I have. Yeah, well, that and that certainly can add to the to the writing, right? The books and stuff. So that's well, absolutely yes. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a good thing. Um, now, how how do you ever decide, like when you're doing these um, series of books, like for instance this one, um, is there an end to it, or do you keep coming back to it? Um, how do you shape that? Well, gosh, I, yes, I, I I don't know. I'll, I'll keep on writing so long as I'm still in, interested by, um, you know, so long as, as as the character still interests me. Um, I'll keep writing these books, so I don't have a, a particular number in mind. Um, I do write other books in between, um, just because you know, just to take a break. But um, 
Well, so far, you know, I'm still interested. I'll um, continue writing this, uh, this series, but I don't have an ending in mind, no. I have an ending in mind for each particular book, um, but not for the whole series. I mean, uh, each book is a different mystery, and that mystery gets resolved at the end of that book. And then the next book will take place usually the next year, and it's a new mystery, but the internal struggles of, uh, of the main character continue throughout, and, and I don't know how that's going to end. I don't have an end in mind for that yet, no. Olivier, given the historical timescale that you've chosen for this particular series, was that a time that you've always been interested in, or was it a time that you, you could really sort of empathise with in terms of that sexual repression? Well, I'm interested in history in general. Um, um, I, I chose that time because, as I said, I was inspired to write um, a Victorian Gothic mystery a la Wilkie Collins, like uh, you know, mm. the, the Woman in White and, and the Moonstone, which is set in the late Victorian period. Also, I think the late Victorian period is easier to write than uh, mid or early Victorian period because um, it's more similar to modern times. Um, it's, you know, really, it, society hasn't changed that much, especially not in England, since um, the late Victorian era. The late Victorian era is really the beginning of the modern era, um, in that people were mostly urbanized, and you had the Industrial Revolution, and you had, uh, you know, new technologies, and also people's attitudes, um, well, they, they were, you know, it, 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 it was... Um, more modern. Um, so I, I do feel I have a bit of an affinity with uh, the Victorian era, uh, with the late Victorian era, perhaps because of my upbringing in, in Colombia, where um, there is, um, well, it, there's a big division between uh, rich and poor, mm -hmm. uh, which there was in the, in, the, in the Victorian era. And um, I also had, uh, I, I grew up in a house, in a middle class household with uh, Living maids, for instance. So I, I, I was, I, I kind of understand that relationship between between the, the, the rich and the poor, um, the way it existed in Victorian era. Um, so I do feel I have that kind of affinity because of that. Thank you. And do you feel that because obviously you're taking this character, you've developed the character, you you've had to look at them in the development of of that character. You have to look at that as a multifaceted creation. Um, so how do you have an affinity with him? Do you do you feel like you want to nurture him and, and protect him through this journey to get to a successful outcome? Or do you still feel at the moment that you really don't quite know what you want for him? No, I yes, I I, I, I do want him to um I mean the, the the last book in the series, when I've decided to, to write that one, I do know it's going to end up happily for him. Um, but until then, he's going to have his ups and downs mm. because obviously you need you need that kind of drama um, in each book. But yes, I have you know I, I I do care for that character. I have I have grown very fond of him. And, uh, and how do how do you when you when you write because you're writing a long series of books which you know will be you know, people will be just chomping at the bit to get to the next one, and so and you said you write others in between. Yeah. So how do you how do you park that character when you finish the series? How how are you going to leave that character and then 
be able to to put all of that kind of that energy back into them, creating a new character. Will there still be that influence coming through from him? Do you think? Um, yes. Uh, I mean, his his um, development is quite slow. It, it, it takes him a couple of books to to start to doing or start feeling a bit more comfortable about his um, his sexuality, but. You know that's how how life works. You you change mm. gradually as you get older, and each book is set um, after the previous one. So I mean he's getting older as the books continue, and he's in his early thirties now, and I'm in my late forties. So you know as, uh, I I can see more or less how I have changed. Mm. So will he change? Um, so I can use my my own life experience um, um, to guide his development. Um, so, yes, uh, it, it, it's not difficult to get back into him at all. I mean, I think I know him very well. And as I said, I, you know, I can use my own life experience, uh, my own feelings, my own thoughts and emotions, and um, give them to him. Um, so, no, it's, 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 not, it's not difficult at all to get back into, uh, to get back into do, his state. Do you think it would be hard to leave him? When, when you're then starting to invest in a new series, and will that be hard to, to leave that character that you've invested so heavily in? I think it probably will be, although, you know, I might have a new character in a different series, um, mm -hmm. I don't know, but I, I, I don't know, how, I, I have no intentions of leaving him just yet, so, uh, you know, I think I'll probably keep on writing him uh, all along, but what I am doing is I am changing the tone a little bit, so... This new book that I've recently finished and that I'm going to be publishing this summer, it's also, um, it, it also has him as protagonist. But since I've changed a little, I don't want to say how because that kind of yeah. gives it away a little. Absolutely. But uh, since I've changed for him, he's going in a different direction. And so uh, for people who have been following the series, this would be the next one in the series. But I'm also calling it a, a spin-off series. So it's the beginning of a new series where there's a slight change, that change of direction in mm. the tone and in the kind of story that I'm telling, but it still has him as a protagonist. But that's one um, way to kind of breathe new life into, into the series. Yeah. It's, when, when we talk um, to various authors about um, their writings and, and how they write, it usually gives some inspiration to others who are, who are just kind of stepping into the world of writing. And, right. and we sometimes explore how, how people manage to keep focused and, and if they've got any particular activities or places they like to write. Um, and we were doing that on interviews yesterday. Is that, is that something that you, you need to do? Do you need to go somewhere else to write? Do you write at home? Is there any particular um, environment that you, you flourish better in? Um, yeah, well, I, I, I write at home, um, you know, because, as I said, I do a lot of research while I write. It's just suddenly an, an idea occurs to me while I'm writing, and I feel like, well, I, actually, I need to, do, to find out a bit more about that. So it's useful to have the Internet um, there for me to look into it. But sometimes... Sometimes um, I feel like I don't want to write at the computer. Um, mm. It's too distracting. Sometimes I just take a, a pen and a paper and I go somewhere. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. If I go out into the patio or I sit on my windowsill or, um, you know, um, where I, I go to a restaurant or a cafe and, and sit at a table and just write on pen and paper. And I, sometimes I just get more writing done that way. I'm sometimes the computer and researching things is just too distracting. It just takes me away, it takes me away from my work. We, we were laughing and making fun yesterday in an interview of Al because Al, when he comes to finish a book, he goes away and stays in a hotel to finish it. And we, 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 we believe this is just an excuse and many authors don't act in that way. Um, and you've just, you're kind of just proving my point, really, that Al just goes off for a jolly in a hotel. Well, it's a holiday. It's a holiday. You know? Well, it's a way to celebrate as well, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I... I <laughs> No, I just can't do do the work at home. It's, it's, it, it, there's too much going on um, with with dogs and all it, just all the stuff going on at home. So I I find it very difficult to uh, stay focused on what I'm doing. Right. Yes. Uh, so um, you know, and and it's well, a bit of no, a I, 
I, I don't know. I'm not, I, I, I do understand that because um, sometimes when I can't focus, I just you know, pick up. Uh, uh, as I said, I, I take a pen and paper and I just go somewhere else. Um, and um, also, I find I can do uh, I can do better work when I am on holiday. Um, you know, there's no waiting around in airports and stuff like that. I just pick up my paper and I do some writing, and I often get more writing done that way. And the change of scenery also does help. Um, so I, you know, I always take some writing with me when uh, when I am going on holiday, and I do find that it it, it does help to um, just have a change of change of view, change of scenery, change of feel. You're being you're being far too kind to Al here now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. Uh, there's a whole change of atmosphere. Like you're in a pla- in a place with a lot of people you don't know. You're just you're going about your life in a different atmosphere. Absolutely, I I, I understand that. Yes, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a luxury though. It's it's a luxury, but. Uh, it's quite a diva, Olivier. <laughs> you, have, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an actually, but I, I, I can see, I, I can see some sense in it. That is. Yeah. Well, it, it it works for me. That's when I get most of my <laughs> yeah. my yeah. done. Right. I mean, you know, hey. Uh, speaking of that too, do you have um, like with this COVID nineteen and and the whole atmosphere of the world right now? Um, I know that with somewhat writers, they're saying that it's uh, you know dark and they can't write, and then others are doing fine. Uh, has it affect you in your writing? Does it put? Does it make you um, maybe have a little more dark uh, feelings when you write, or or can you write at all? Um, well, no, it, it, it hasn't really affected me with regards to um, to to the feeling. Um, when uh, at its peak, or when it sort of you know started to go really badly here in Spain, and we went into lockdown, um, I was very distracted. Um, it was on the news, and I kept checking the news all the time. And I couldn't think about anything else because it's such a sensationalist story. This this whole um, uh, coronavirus. Um, um, crisis it's um so yeah i kept checking the news and i couldn't concentrate and that and that lasted for about a week um but then uh, um i just decided right uh, i need to get on with my work so i just stopped watching the news just don't watch it or watch it only once or twice you know in the morning and in the evening uh, but i don't need to be uh kept up to date every five uh, every five minutes and well, we're we're a few months on now from uh, from when we first started the lockdown, so I've kind of gotten used to it now. So it, it's less uh, it's, uh, it's less sensationalistic now. It's, uh, um, mm. Yeah. So uh, and, and apart from that, you know, um, I, I work from home anyway. I, I, I teach English online uh, from home, so it hasn't affected my life that much. I can still, you know, throughout this this whole lockdown, I was still able to take the dog out for a walk three times a day. Um, so it, it hasn't changed my life that much. It's just uh, the news. Just switch off the news yeah. and then uh, <laughs> that girl helps to open shape. Yeah. No, I was just wondering if it, it, it made you, um, if it put like a dark shadow over your feelings and maybe uh, some worry, and that makes a difference yeah. in how you, you how you write. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I know what you mean, but uh, no, it didn't, didn't really affect me in that way, no. Hmm. Interesting. Now, so what what does influence you? What do you um, grab on in, and uh, take in, and uh, it helps create some sort of 
thing in your book? Well, um, well, the, the, the great thing about writing mystery books is really that um, you can write about any topic, and you just need to introduce some mystery into it in, in the plot. Um, so, uh, like for instance, this new book that I've, I've just finished, the, the new uh, Billings um, uh, mystery. Um, I was interested in, in the occult. In, you know, the, it was a very big thing in the late Victorian era. There were a lot of esoteric um, societies, um, and um, you know, people writing esoteric books and looking for hidden meaning in uh, in, in, the, in the ancient texts. Uh, and there was a lot of spiritualism and um, hypnotism. Uh, and this kind of things that they were very big in the Victorian era. And this was something that really interested me, and I did a lot of research about that, and I built a whole story and a whole mystery um, around that. In a previous book, um, it's all about anarchists. Anarchists was also, anarchism was also very big in the late Victorian era, and um, anarchist terrorists. And that caught my interest at the time, so I built a whole, um, a whole plot around that. So um, whatever interests me at that time I, I can turn it into a into a mystery novel uh, for uh, for my uh, uh, for my detective so so with that um, what have you had personal experiences in the paranormal or, or, or in that area has that kind of affected your 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 own life no no not really I haven't um, I haven't had um, interest in I'm not sure whether I, I believe it uh, but I you know, I, I find it. I'm, I'm interested in it. Just um, well, I mean, I mean, I'm interested in, in things like uh, Kabbalah um, and uh, 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 Christian mysticism. You know, um, you know, these are people who are reading the ancient texts, trying to find hidden messages as to uh, what heaven looked like and and what God's appearance is like, and. Um, uh, yeah, people who actually believe in magic, like um, Alistair Crowley, which is uh, the the novel or uh, the um, I'm reading a biography about Alistair Crowley right now, which is which has influenced my my current uh, work in progress. Um, but yeah, it, it's just something. Um, I, I'm not interested because I'm I have any paranormal experiences myself. Um, I, I just find it interesting in an in, in intellectual capacity. I'm not sure I actually believe any of it. But uh, what do you th- what do you think of Alistair Crawley then? What do you what do you think of something someone like that? Well, he was uh, he, he, he led an, uh, an amazing life. I, I didn't know um, that much about him when I started reading the uh, biography. He's had a he's had a, an, an amazing life, and he's uh, uh, you know he's well he wasn't a pleasant man. Obviously, he wasn't uh, he wasn't a very good man. But it's it's uh, I, I guess what interests me about it is that. It's it's a, it's a way of escaping. It's an um, escapism. It's it's a way of escaping his own life, and it's a way of justifying his darkest fantasies. Um, so he used magic um, as a way to indulge in the things that he wanted to indulge in, and he said, you know, he's doing it for the sake of magic, or for the sake of creating magic, or discovering magic, uh, when really um, it was just him wanting to do those things. Um, yes, he was a, a very unpleasant man, uh, but uh, I mean, there is 
something that can be said for for his philosophy. He believes that you should just discover what your true will is and act upon it. And if everybody did that, there wouldn't be any conflicts because most conflicts arise from people not being able to do what um, deep inside they want to do. So there is some gravitas to his philosophy, but mostly I think he was just uh, um, well, narcissistic, mm. a complete narcissist and uh, an unpleasant character, but um, a very interesting character. And uh, the the villain in my uh, latest work of Work in Progress was uh, very heavily influenced by him. So he served as great inspiration for that particular book. So we, we've, we've spoken quite a lot about little bits of, of each of your books as, as your character goes through his journey and your influences and where that how you've um, you've incorporated your influences into your works but I'm just very aware I think Olivier that some of our listeners won't have been able to pick up one of your books as yet and as you as you rightly identify that the first book is the one that's going to um, really support and, and them to understand where this character has come from and then they're able to follow him on the journey so for our listeners are you able to to tell us a little bit about the storyline without giving too much away of course about yeah. that that first book and why it's uh, why it will grip them okay well so the first book is called um, The Ornamental Hermit and the main character is uh, Detective Sergeant John Billings from um, Scotland Yard and he's been assigned a case of uh, the murder of Lord Palmer Lord Palmer is an uh, aristocrat who lives in a large, um, large estate and on his estate he had um, an ornamental hermit, which is something that aristocratic people used to have in the past. They used to build follies of um, uh, old uh, Norman castles or uh, ruins of a Roman villa just to make uh, make it look like uh, like they lived on a on an ancient piece of land. And they would also have a grotto and an ornamental hermit, so they'd employ somebody who lived as a hermit in in their estates, um, just you know for um, aesthetic reasons. Right. Um, so this man gets murdered, and they believe that the ornamental hermit who in his estate murdered him. But uh, Detective uh, John Biddings thinks that he's being scapegoated, and he's trying to find out who the real culprit was. And then at the same time, he's also got another case that he's working on, a personal case about his um, his his uh, foster mother um, comes to him and wants him to, dis- to find out what happened to her son, his, his foster brother, who disappeared 10 years ago. So he's trying to solve two mysteries at the same time. And um, yes, so those are the two mysteries which, which, grad- which gradually unravel in, in this book. And well, this is the first book. So this is the book where you get to, un- to know uh, John Billings, you get to know his past, and you get to know his... Um, the demons that he struggles with, uh, his loneliness, his um, inability to cope with his sexuality, his uh, addiction to morphine, all that is explained and brought up in that first book. And um, and when, I suppose, when uh, what sort of age group of, of people would you see this book being um, sort of most, uh, uh, I don't know how to word it really, but um, of, of interest to what sort of age group? would be most interested in this type of book, do you think? Oh, I'd, I'd say anything from um, uh, 30s upwards, I guess. Um, 
many of like at, at, at the people who, who read my book, they, yeah, they didn't see the age group with the upwards, I guess. But I mean, you know, anybody who's interested in Victorian uh, mm. mysteries. I, I, you know, people who, who like books set in the past tend to be older, I guess. Mm. Uh, younger people prefer contemporary books. And, and what's, what's next for you going forward? What's your next project look like? Is it a next set of books? What, what does that look like? Right, so, so yeah, this, um, my, my next book is coming out this summer. It's called A Glimpse of Heaven, and it's, it's also a book with uh, the same detective, John Billings, but this is the one that's taking a slightly different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I don't want to say too much because that would give away what happened in, in, in the other books. Yeah. In series. Um, but, yeah, it, it, this is the one about uh, the, the, the supernatural, that the occult, the one that's... Um, the, the one that's um, influenced by Alistair Crowley. I also have um, another book uh, completely unrelated to this, but they're also mysteries. Um, they're noir mysteries. It's an, an anthology of uh, three noir novellas. And I'm interested in writing another series of novellas and, and publish another book of, uh, of noir mysteries. So I think that, uh, before, I like to do things in between, in between uh, Reading, you know, something different in between the different uh, mm. books. So um, I'm thinking of doing, uh, yeah, some more. And if there was a, if there was a book or a plot of a new book that um, you desperately would like to do but haven't quite built the confidence to do yet, what would that be about? Oh, um, well. Uh, I have been toying with the idea of, well, I have been sort of thinking um, about doing something like science fiction, that, that, that kind of interests me, but I, you know, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't have the confidence for, um, to, to do that, it's just too far, I, I've, I've gotten used to writing mysteries, but maybe a science fiction kind of mystery. Mm, sounds I'm good. Toying with. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, a mystery set in the, in the future, set in a different planet or something like that, something a bit with, with a bit more fantasy, but... Um, I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm the person to write it. Murder mystery on Mars. Something <laughs> like that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't don't uh, take I don't know. his you, tips you, you either. Need to know, you need to know. You need to know a lot about science, and uh, you know that's. No, I think I'll, I'll just do what I write about the past. But maybe it doesn't either. Well, the way of the world right now, you don't really need to have science. You can just make it up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you got to make it up, but it's probably, it's probably, it's probably, it's probably yeah. some kind of scientific uh, background to it to make it believable. Although, otherwise, it would speak into fantasy. So, well, let's let's give out. So, what's your information? So, now, if people are interested and they want to follow up, uh, what's your website and contact info for them? Right. So, uh, my website is um, OliverBosman.com. Which is my my name dot com, um, and there's all my books uh, are there uh, with buy links. Uh, you can also look me up on uh, on Amazon. All my books are available on Amazon and also on Kindle Unlimited. Uh, you can also look me up on Facebook or Twitter. Um, so just you know, my name is my handle. You just type in my name okay. and you'll probably find me. There you go. Well, uh, fantastic. So now we're going to have you up on our website as well, so listeners can just do one click and find your website and oh, all of your great books. Yeah. Okay. So our guest has been uh, on the phone all the way from Spain, uh, and during this uh, tough time, 
um, great books and uh, check them out. It's Olivier Bossman. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. The mission has been completed. The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! I'll see you. If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.